Thanks for tuning in to Next Level Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. Well, do any of you remember life before the pandemic? I, I feel like that we are kind of in, in uh, similar circumstances to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know if there's any fans of, of Marvel movies, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there was this moment that was 10 years in the making, and it's known as the snap, and half of the universe disappeared instantly. And now in the new phase of movies, every new movie that comes out references the snap. They're like life before the snap, life after the snap. That's how I feel about this pandemic. Like, I remember life before the pandemic, but I remember like going into 2020 and like when 2020 first started and there were some rumblings of this this thing called coronavirus and I didn't take it very seriously. Uh, my general rule of thumb is to just wait and see, especially when the media is freaking out. I think that they freak out way too much. And so I just want to wait and see. I want to OK, let's see if this is actually something to, to freak out about. And then as we started getting in more and more into 2020, um, things started really to ramp up and then things started to shut down and churches had to shut down and schools shut down. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but all of the experts kept saying that this was about a six week thing that we're just going to curve it. And in six weeks, our lives are going to go back to normal. And so like when we shut down church, we were thinking, okay, we can make it online for six weeks and then we'll come back and the world will be normal again. Well, six weeks passed. In fact, two years passed. We, we are now in, in 2022, and we are still dealing with this pandemic. Like, now we're on, like, a Megatron, and we need, like, Optimus Prime to fight this thing. Like, there, there, this thing's, like, never ending. I don't know if, if you uh, saw this on social media, but I saw this meme posted so many times, and it's, like, one of those things that's kind of funny, but you also are, like, oh, me with it. Um, the meme says, when you realize 2022 is pronounced 2022, like that. That's the joke, right? It's like, oh, like, yeah, New Year. Oh, no, same thing. Like, this is, this is like a, a crazy thing. We are living in this, like, world that is like, it feels like it's never ending. And I remember life before the pandemic, but I'm having a hard time remembering it because the pandemic is just going on forever. And it feels like it's never going to end. And because of that, it makes it really difficult to plan for the future. If the last two years have taught me anything it's that we should hold all of our goals and all of our visions with an open hand. Because every time we as a church made a plan, something would happen and we'd have to be flexible and alter that plan. So here we are on Vision Sunday. And I don't know if you are, are a regular at Next Level or if you're new, but every year at this time, we cast vision for what we're going to do in the following year. And I typically give like three goals for us as a church. I don't have goals. I don't have like specific things we're going to do. And the reason is, is because the last two years, every time I make a plan, something changes, something shifts. And it's like, well, we can't do that. Now, I do have vision. I do have some ideas, but it's really it makes me nervous to share these things because I can't predict the future. And I don't know what the world's going to look like, the world that we're living in. Like we have vision. Like, for example, um, we have the vision that we're hoping that in 2022 we are going to break ground and, and actually start to work on this building that we've been saving for and, and, and prepping for. That we're, we're hoping that's going to happen. And can I just give you some really, really good news? On, on Christmas services, we uh, did our very first ever Heart for the House. And the goal was to raise money towards this new building. And uh, I, didn't ha- I didn't have any expectations. I didn't know what to expect. 
going into it, we talked about should we set a specific goal for our church to try to hit the goal. And I was nervous because I was like, well, what if we set a goal of like $10,000 and people only bring in $2,000 and then we're starting off 2022 like on a, on a down note. And I don't want to start it on a down note. Uh, but then I was like, what if we set a goal like at, at, at 2000 but people could have brought in a lot more, and so, but they don't because the goal is so low. So we just didn't put a numerical number out there. We just said, if Next Level is your church, get alone with God, ask him what he wants you to give, and then give. And can I just tell you that so far, we still have some money coming in. If you want to give to it, you still can. But so far, we have raised over $19,000 for Heart for the House. Yeah, I, I'm super proud of us as a church. Like, and I, I'm proud of you. Thank you for everyone that participated in that. And, uh, and, and, and I praise God for that. That is a very exciting, exciting thing. And can I just tell you, in the church world, this is how, how, how money and vision always are linked together. We always have lots of vision, but we will move at the speed of our corporate generosity. Let me say that again. We have lots of vision, but we will move at the speed of our corporate generosity. Every idea, every plan that we have, it always takes some type of funding. And so we have ideas, and some of those ideas don't happen for three, five years down because we're waiting for the money to come in. And some of those ideas, though, they can happen instantly. And so I just want to say thank you that you guys were able to give so generously because you're helping us fulfill the vision. You're helping us do what God has called us to do. And I keep praying that God is going to provide uh, someone to, to, uh, to make sure that we don't go into any debt going into this new building. The building project is $1.6 million, and we've raised over 500000 of that. And I'm just praying that God would do an amazing miracle and that we could walk into this building with, with no, no debt. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see what God does. But I have, I have visions. I have some ideas, some things that I want us to do as a church. Like one thing that's been a dream of mine for years that I would love for us to do is I would love for our church to produce uh, its own original worship music. I want to record our own worship album. And if you were at our Christmas service, you got a taste of it. We recorded our first ever Christmas song, which you can get on Spotify, iTunes, and even on TikTok. I don't know how they did that, but the song is on TikTok. I'm the only one excited about that. I have vision, though. I have vision for things that I want our, our church to do. I have vision for our church to continue to grow. Uh, the, the church is, is sent out by God to reach people, to make disciples. And coming out of the pandemic, we didn't know who was left. We didn't know who was still going to come to church. We didn't know if people were going to physically meet anymore. And in, in 2021, we were averaging 117 people. Now, that was great because, we, again, we didn't know if anyone was going to come back. Before the pandemic, though, we were averaging 520 people in our physical services. And so in 2021, we saw 117 people at the beginning of the year, and that climbed. By the end of the year, we're averaging 191 people. So that's going in the right direction, and I want us to continue to go in that direction. So I have, I have vision. I have plans for us to reach the lost and reach the unchurched people. I have ideas. I have plans. I have these desires that I want to see happen, but it's really hard to cast the vision when I don't have a fat clue what 2020 is going to bring, 2023 is going to bring to us. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's going to be more disasters. I don't know if the pandemic is going to keep going. I don't know if we're going to have to shut down things. I, like, I, don't, I don't know. Can I just tell you that I actually love that? I love that I don't know. And the reason that I love it is because it forces me to rely on God. As human beings, it is so easy to rely on things that we can see, and it's so easy to rely on 
our own gifts and talents, our own work ethic. It's so easy to rely on our money. It's so easy to rely on our own control. And when control is stripped away from you, you are forced to rely on God. And today what I want to tell you is that I am going to share some things that I think are going to be inspiring, and I hope it's a vision that that inspires you, but I don't have a specific goal for our church. I don't have, hey, we're going to accomplish these three things in 2022. But what I want to do, though, is I want to give you you an opportunity to hear from God because I think we are in a perfect position that if we would listen to God, if we would do what God says, I think we are in a perfect position to see God do something amazing in our church in 2022. And I want to show you this through our text. The vision is going to come through the text, which is in the New Testament part of the Bible. And at Next Level, we honor the text because we believe it is God's word. So I want to give you a chance to honor it by standing to your feet. And reading with me nice and loud, Acts 3, 11 through 12. Now, at Next Level, we like to have a little bit of fun. And uh, we, we don't mind laughing and being goofy ever, ever so often. And so uh, one of the ways we have fun is with the reference, Acts 3, 11 through 12. You'll see two dots between the 3 and the 11. And we like to have fun and just pump our fists and say dot, dot. And so I want to invite you to do the dot, dot with us. Will you read it with me nice and loud? It says, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Acts 3, dot, dot, 11 through 12. Now that we've uh, read the text, let's go to God in prayer. And I, I hope that you spend time praying and talking to God multiple times a day. But I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him yet today. So I want to give you just a real simple prayer to pray quietly in your heart. And that prayer is, God, would you speak to my heart? And would you give me the courage to do whatever you tell me to do. Would you spend a few seconds just quietly talking to God? God, every single one of us comes in here with our own problems, our own sin struggles, our own pride, our own selfishness, God, and every single one of us, we need to hear from you. And so we ask, God, that you would just speak to us in your still, small voice. And that, God, you would give us the courage to do whatever you tell us to do. And God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. So I'm going to share with you some vision, some thoughts uh, through the, the scripture, through the text. But before we get there, I want to give you a little bit of context so you know what is happening. The New Testament, the very first four books, are comprised of the life of Jesus his life, and then eventual his death and his resurrection. And those books end, uh, and, and they don't really give us a lot of details about what happens next. The very next book in the New Testament is called Acts, and I absolutely love it. And I love it because it gives us the history of the early church. It gives us literally the blueprints and, and how the early church took off. And you've got to remember that these very first Christians, they didn't have a church building. They didn't have a mission statement. They didn't have core values. They literally were building the boat in the water and trying to figure out how to do this thing called Christianity. Jesus, after he rose again, he appears to a handful of his followers and he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Go change the world. And then he says, wait, because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And So that group of followers goes to Jerusalem. They start praying. They wait and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then God does this amazing thing. And in one day... 3,000 new followers become Christians. So can you imagine that? You've got no building. You have no church staff. You have no core values. You don't even know exactly what you're doing. And now there's 3,000 people that are part of this movement called Christianity. 
And from there in the book of Acts, we see all sorts of amazing things that God does through these earliest followers. And what we're going to read is one of the very first things that God does through two of the key leaders in the early church. Their names are Peter and John. Both of these guys were disciples of Jesus, and they were two of Jesus' best friends. And they become some of the leaders of this early Christian movement that literally was just starting from scratch after Jesus rose again. And what we're going to read is something that happened to them in the earliest stages of this new Christian movement. It'll come up on the screen. You can follow along. We're going to start with Acts 3, 1 through 2. The text says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. I want to stop there just for a second. So if they didn't have a church building, if the Christian movement was new, what temple are they going to? Well, they all came from the Jewish faith. And so they believed that Christianity was an extension of Judaism. So they didn't stop a lot of the Jewish practices. It isn't until later on, and you read about this in the book of Acts, it's later on when they start reaching non-Jewish people and telling them about Jesus that uh, traditions really start to shift and change. But at this point, they really are staying close to the faith that they grew up in. And so they are going to the temple to pray, and Jesus is going to be a part of that, but it is a, a Jewish temple. Look at what happens next. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So there's a guy who can't walk, and every day people are, are generous to him, and they pick him up, and they put him in front of the temple. And the reason they do that is because they are hoping that people that are going to the temple to pray are going to have a generous spirit, and they will take pity on this guy, and that they will give him some money. Now, I hope and pray to God that I am never at a place where I have to beg for money uh, from, from people on a street corner. I hope I never do. But if I am in that place, I know exactly where I'm going to go. I'm going to go in the corner of Victory and J. Clyde Morris. <laughs> Victory J. Clyde Morris is a four-way stop. There are multiple intersections where you could stand to ask people for money. And on the corner is Chick-fil-A. And I'm hoping that the good people who are going to get Christian chicken would be generous and would give me some money. If not money, at least give me a number one combo meal so I can eat. That's my plan if I ever have to beg for money. And in this scenario, the, this, this beggar, he had nothing. And so he relied on the generosity of people going to the temple, going to church, to provide financially for him. And let's see what happens next. Acts 3, 3 through 6. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So this crippled guy gets the attention of Peter and John, and he asks them for money. And I absolutely love their response. Their response is, we don't have any money. Like, we're broke. Like, like Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, but he didn't give us a bank account. Like, we, we have nothing. We, we have no finances to give you. We have no crutches to give you. We don't even have a number one combo meal from Chick-fil-A to give you. We've got nothing but Jesus. And I don't know what you were expecting when you came here for Vision Sunday, but can I just tell you that I've got nothing? I, I, I have nothing. If you're thinking that I have like some special close relationship with God, and if you just hang out with me, you'll get like God's blessings. Like I, I'm not that 
that special. I, I don't have a brand new building. I don't have the $1.6 million to build that new building. I don't have all the answers for our life. I don't have the ability to predict the future and tell us that 2022 is going to be the best year ever. I've got jack squat diddly, but I love it because all I can offer you is Jesus. And I'm just wondering if the people at Next Level Church would say that that's enough. Like, is Jesus really enough for us? You see, one of the problems with so much uh, wealth and so much stuff is that we just rely on it so much. We rely on our health. We rely on our ability to fix our own problems. We rely on our money. We rely on our buildings. And as long as we're relying on that, we don't really know how much we desperately need Jesus. But when that stuff is stripped away, you are forced to say, okay, God, are you really enough for me? Like when the relationship is broken, then you're forced to say, okay, God, are you really enough for me in this moment? And when the finances aren't there, you're really forced to say, okay, God, are you enough for me? And when your health is stripped away and things don't go the way you think they're going to go, in that moment, you are forced to say, okay, Jesus, are you enough? Are you enough to get me through this? If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. You never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. You never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. I wish that I could go back to the beginning of 2020 and do some like Jedi mind trick and just wipe away coronavirus and pandemic and that we could just keep going with our lives. But I can't do that. And I I don't know when it's going to end. And I wish it would end and I'm praying for it to end, but I'm kind of thankful it's still here because it's continually forcing me to get on my knees and say, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what to do. Because I can't rely on my plans. And I can't rely on circumstances because they're so all over the place. All I have is Jesus. That's all I have to offer you. The reason I think that's enough is because Jesus has changed my life. And I know Jesus can change your life. Let's keep reading the text. Acts 3, 7 through 10. Peter and John taking him by the right hand, the, the, the lame beggar. They helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love this, that they saw a miracle, a real miracle. And something that I've prayed since the very beginning of our church is that we would experience miracles that we cannot explain away. That we would see people that are are lost, that are far from God. I love that this miracle happened on the outside of church and not on the inside. And I would love to see people who don't belong in church, who are broken, who have their issues, come into church and everyone's like, yes, we've seen you before. Aren't you the former drug dealer? Aren't you the prostitute? Aren't you the person who's been through 18 marriages? Aren't you the person who was a crook? Aren't you the person who was broken? Yes, it's a miracle that God's changed your life. Welcome here. I would absolutely love to see those kind of miracles. But I'd also love to see the physical miracles. And this text is kind of crazy to me because I don't know how Peter had the faith to tell this guy to get up and walk. Like, did God whisper to him, hey, I'm going to heal him, so just follow this? Or did Peter just have crazy, bold faith that he just said to this guy and he believed that he was going to walk? Like, this is a crazy moment in history to me. 
uh, my, my wife's family, uh, most of them are, are unchurched. And so the holidays, uh, throughout the years, we've been married for 20 years, and, and throughout the years, they've been pretty interesting, um, especially for the first 10 years, because they didn't know what to do with me, because I'm a pastor. And so they didn't know any other pastors, and so they would often make things a little bit awkward. And I would have to try to make them not awkward. But like, for example, for literally about the first at least five years, whenever we would get together at Christmas time and all of her aunts and uncles, she has a huge family, they would all be gathering. Whenever I would walk into the room, all of them on cue would take their beer and hide it behind their back. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I'm not blind. I see what you're doing. And I'm not judging you like for, for doing, like you don't have to hide anything. But they literally would stand with their hand behind their back, and they would kind of talk to me and ask me questions. And then I would say, this is just awkward for me, and I would, I would walk out. And so her, her family throughout the years has gotten to know me, and they've made things a lot less awkward. But still there are times where something happens, and it's just one of those kind of awkward, funny moments. Like a couple Christmases ago, uh, we were getting ready to walk out with our kids. And one of her aunts was talking about how she was having feet issues and it was causing her not to be able to walk. And one of her other aunts says, oh, get Rob. He can heal people. <laughs> I don't know where she came up with that. I, I, I wish I had the faith of Peter that I could walk up to this aunt and say, in the name of Jesus, your bunion be healed and it would be fixed. I don't have that faith. I can't do this. And I don't know. I have no idea how, Jesus, how, how, how Peter knew that this guy was going to get up and walk. But can I just tell you something? That God does not do miracles when we are committed to being safe. And this is a scary moment. I don't know why Peter had the faith to say, rise up and walk. But Peter would not have experienced the miracle if he was more committed to being safe than he was committed to being faithful. And far too many Christians, the reason that you are stuck in your faith is because you are committed to being safe. And if you want to see God do something in your life, if you want to experience some type of miracle, can I just challenge you? It's going to take taking a step of faith, and it's going to be scary. And you may not know what God's going to do, but it's going to put you in a great place because you're going to have to rely on God. Far too many people lead with no when it comes to God. Far too many people tell God what they want to do with their life. And that's why we're stuck in our faith. If you want to grow, if you want to experience some miracles... If you want to experience God do something, then start taking some steps of faith. One of our core values at Next Level Church is that we take next steps. And the reason that this is so important is because if you are not growing, you're dying. And this is true in your physical relationships. It's it's true in your financial situations. And it's true in your spiritual life. If you're not growing, you're dying. There is no holding pattern. A phrase that I say often is that living things grow, growing things change, but healthy things change for the better. If you do nothing, you will grow, but it'll grow towards death instead of life. If you want to improve, if you want to make a difference, you've got to grow in a healthy way, and that means that you've got to take a spiritual step. And so here's a question that I want to want to encourage you to write down and think about. What is your next spiritual step? What is your next spiritual step? If you're new to the faith, if you've only been coming to church for a few months, or if you've been in the faith your whole life, if you've been a Christian for 50 years, did you know that you still have a next step? If you're not dead, God's not done with you, and he wants you to grow. And the way that you grow is by taking spiritual steps. So what is your next step? Can I just tell you, most likely, if it doesn't scare you, it's not from God. 
And so if you have a next step in your mind, you're like, ah, I should do this, but oh, I'm scared. Can I tell you that's a good place to be? Because you can rely on God and watch what he does. And so I don't know what your next step is, but can I just tell you that if you want to see 2022 be different than 2021, it's going to involve taking some scary steps of faith. That means if you're scared to pray, you've got to start taking a step and start practicing prayer. If you're scared to give and trust God with your finances, finances, it means that you've got to take a step of faith. Take a step towards that. I know it's scary, but take a step towards that. If you're scared to join a group because you're like, I don't know, people are scary and I don't like them. Take a step of faith. Watch what happens. The way that our faith grows, though, is not when we remain the same. It's when we take a step of faith. And that's when the miracle starts to happen. Look what happens next in our text. Acts 3, 11 through 12. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. All right, let me stop there just for a second. If you're like me, and some of these details get boring to you when you read the Bible, let me tell you why they're in at least the New Testament. The reason that the author specifically says Solomon's Colonnade is because these letters were written to real people in real time. And they didn't have cameras or television or Instagram or or TikTok or ways to show it, and so they would share the news through letters. And the reason that he writes in here Solomon's Colonnade is because he's telling anyone that reads this, if you don't believe the miracle that just happened, Go ask the people at Solomon's Colonnade. I'll specifically tell you where this miracle happened because this is real. This isn't something we invented. This isn't some figment of our imagination. This happened to real people. So at Solomon's Colonnade, it says, When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? Man, I absolutely love that response. Can I just tell you that um, I am a stubborn optimist. I took a personality test one time that decided on, uh, it was supposed to let me know if I'm optimistic or pessimistic. And when I got done taking the test, um, it said I broke the test. That I was so optimistic, it was off the charts. And in fact, it said that it's unhealthy, the optimism that I have. That literally, I could be standing in a poo storm, and I'm like, oh, it's raining, praise God. Like, and. And, and it, it, it challenged me about myself because I'm so, I, I can be unrealistically optimistic. And the reason I tell you that is because it always shocks me that when it comes to God, I become a pessimist. In everything else in my life, I'm optimistic. But when it comes to God doing miracles, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if you're really going to come through this time. Oh, God, I don't know. I'm kind of scared. What if you don't move in the way that I want you to move? Or what if you don't do what I asked you to do? Or what if, what if no miracles happen? God, I don't know if I can take that step of faith because I'm scared. What happens if you don't come through on the other side? Can I just tell you what has helped me if you're like me and you would say, yeah, I'm scared to have bold faith because I don't want to be disappointed in God. Can I just tell you something that, that has really helped me? In 2022, instead of telling God what your plans are, why don't you ask him what he wants you to do? The reason that we are afraid is because we are afraid of bringing our plans to God and God saying no or God not coming through. So if you want to ease your fear, instead of telling God what you want him to do, start by saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, this circumstance, I can't control it, but what do you want me to do in this? In this relationship, I can't fix it, but what do you want me to do with this? In my finances, God, I don't know how to fix it, but what do you want me to do in this? In 2022, I have some plans, I have some dreams, I hope they'll be accomplished, but God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this? 
and then listen what he says and then take that step of faith. And then don't be surprised when God actually moves. Because if God tells you to do something, he's going to come through. If God tells you he's going to heal you, he's going to come through. If God tells you he's going to fix a relationship, he's going to come through. If God tells you to take a step of faith, he's going to come through. Even if you're scared, he's going to come through. So from there, Peter uh, has the crowd astonished, and he decides to preach at, him, at, preach at the crowd. And I love the, the sermon that Peter gives to this crowd that just saw him heal this guy. In Acts 3.16, we read, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you've seen and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as, all, as you all can see. A statement that keeps coming to my mind about our church is that we are a church that doesn't have all the answers and we're a church filled with imperfect people. But I absolutely love that because when God uses us, we can be like Peter and say, why are you surprised? It's because of Jesus and only Jesus. We don't have all the answers. We're not the flashiest. We're not the best. We have our own problems. We have our own issues. But I, I can just tell you that by faith in the name of Jesus, we're going to see God do some amazing things through us this year. So from there, um, things really get exciting. The religious leaders get really upset that Peter and John healed this lame beggar. And so they arrest them, and they threaten to beat them, and they threaten to like throw them in prison. Now, I don't know how you would respond if you just saw God do a miracle, and then the response was being thrown in prison. But I want to show you what Peter and John say. Now, stick with me. It's a little bit lengthy, but it is an amazing response. Acts 4, 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. Now... If I saw God do an amazing miracle, and then I was thrown in prison, my first response would be, like, why me? Like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like, this is the worst year ever. And if the people in front of me were threatening to throw me in prison, I probably in my own flesh would respond, yeah, I'm so sorry we healed him. That's my bad. I'll ask for permission next time. Please don't throw me in prison. But Peter and John, filled with boldness, are like, hey, can I just tell you, we healed him through Jesus. And you might remember Jesus because you crucified him. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And you lost suckers need Jesus too. Like this is an amazing act of boldness. And Peter, is, the reason he can be bold is not because he is a bold person. It's because he's filled with the Spirit of God. And the reason he's filled with the Spirit of God is because he took some steps of faith and he saw God move. Now, this gets me really, really excited. But I want to show you the response from the religious leaders. And I think this is something that you're going to relate to. The response of the religious leaders who just were called out and just told like how they were, uh, they were responsible for crucifying Jesus. When they hear Peter and John and the way that they speak, this is what they say, Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love that. And the reason that I love that is it's so easy to take credit for things that God is doing. 
it's so easy to say, yeah, I get credit because I'm a good person, or I get credit because I worked really hard at this. But Peter and John stand before these religious leaders, and the religious leaders are like, man, these guys are idiots. But man, they've got some boldness. And the reason they have boldness is not because they're bold people. They have boldness because they've been with Jesus. And that's my vision and my prayer for us today. I don't know what 2022 is going to face with us, but I would be so daggum proud of our church if every single person here was committed to just spend some time with Jesus. And that every day, no matter what our circumstances came, no matter what we faced in 2022, if all of our circumstances would look, we hit them with our best shot. We can't knock them down. Why? Because they've been with Jesus. And I think it would be so amazing if we had teenagers who were living for Jesus in their school and their friends were saying, man, I don't know what's gotten a hold of them. They're not a coward anymore. They're proud of their faith. They've been with Jesus. And I would love it if people would take their faith to their work and to their, their homes and people would say, you really are different in 2022. What happened? Why is your life changed? Why are your relationships better? Why are you more disciplined? Why are you kinder? Because we've been with Jesus. Jesus is all I have to offer you. And can I just tell you, he's enough. Jesus is what we need to have our lives changed. And I just want to give you to close really quickly four ways to prioritize Jesus in 2022. If you're here today and you'd say, yeah, I haven't always done the best job of putting Jesus first. Here are just some, some practical steps that I'd encourage you to write down and start with. Baby steps. Ways to prioritize Jesus in 2022. Number one, join a group. Join a group. Next week, we're kicking off our semester for, for all adults for our small groups. And one of our core values is you can't do life alone. And can I just tell you that the reason that New Year's resolutions don't stick is because we try to do them on our own. And we don't have accountability. And it's the same thing with faith. If you want your faith to grow in 2022, it will involve other Christians. It will involve other people. So maybe you're afraid because you're like, well, I don't really like people. And people are weird. Yeah, they are. And people at next level are weird. And we can't promise that everyone that's in your group is going to be like the coolest person ever. And like there's not going to be any issues. If there's people involved, there will be issues. But can I just tell you that you cannot grow in faith if you do not do it with other people. You just can't. It's the way that God has wired us to be. So I want to encourage you to join a group. Number two, serve on a team. If you want to prioritize Jesus, serve on a team. Why is this important? Well, did you know that Jesus said about himself that he came not to be served, but to serve? If that's our example and that's our model, then people of faith should be the first to jump in the game and say, I'll serve wherever. I'm not above serving. I'm not too proud to serve. We should lead with wanting to serve. So let me just give you a challenge. If you are not currently on a serve team, if you do not currently give back, the challenge is the same thing all throughout this sermon. Would you just get alone with God and say, hey, God, what's my next step? And then do what he tells you to do. Because he wants you to, to grow in your faith. And so ask him, God, where do you want me to serve? Instead of leading with no and saying, I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to work with kids. They're snotty nose. I don't want to be around them. Ask God. And if God tells you to go work with kids, you better obey and go do it. But instead of telling God what you want to do, would you just say, okay, God, you came to serve. So I want to follow in your example. Where do you want me to serve? Number three, give financially back to God. This is always a scary step of faith, but it's a way to prioritize God. Jesus said that we can't serve both God and money. And so if you want to take a step in faith, here's the starting point. God, how can I prioritize you with my money? 
instead of going to God and saying, God, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you any money or I'm not going to give back or I don't trust the church. Or instead of having any, just start with God. God, how do you want me to obey you with my finances? And then do what he tells you to do. Number four, start a Bible study and stick to it. The best way to hear God speak is to read the scriptures. And you heard Pastor Eric say uh, during the welcome that we've developed a 30-day plan for you. And I just want to encourage you to start it and to stick with it. Way too many Christians don't prioritize spending time with God. And it is so important to spend time with God because if we don't hear God's voice, we won't do what God tells us to do. And how cool would it be if every single person in this room then when we get to this service in 2023, how cool would it be if every single one of us could say, you know what, 2022 was a fine year, okay year, it was a great year, but how cool would it be if every single one of us could say, every single day in 2022, I prioritize Jesus by spending time reading the Bible. How cool would that be? So here are some simple steps for you. If you already do these steps, go to God and say, okay, God, what's my next step? I don't know what it is, but I just trust if we ask him, he's going to tell us, what to do. And that's what I want for us. If you came here today expecting a specific vision and specific goals of the three things we're going to do this year, I'm not sorry. I don't have that for you because all I have is Jesus. And I'm hoping that's enough for you. And the vision for us this year is just to spend time with Jesus and allow him to change our lives because I believe we will see some miracles. I believe we will see some people healed physically. I believe we will see relationships healed. I will see, I, I believe we'll see people with, with mental issues healed. I believe we'll see people with financial issues healed. I believe it with all my heart, but it's not going to happen if we don't spend time with Jesus. So we pray with me, God, we come before you and we just ask that you would give us more than just inspiration. God, it's going to be really hard to remember this sermon when we're in April, May, June of this year. So we ask that you would give us the discipline we need to prioritize you, to put you first. God, you are the thing that changes our lives. So God, we just ask right now that you would speak to our hearts, that you would tell us our next steps, and that you would help us to obey you. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. If you would like to hear more, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. You can also follow us on social media at nextlevel757. Join us next time.